This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 430 for Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen is back. You can find him at Stephen ESC, and that's Stephen with a PH on all of the social media that matters. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I have had a busy couple of weeks. Uh, there has not been an episode for one, just scheduling issues. Uh, but then second, uh, I got my, uh, COVID booster, uh, last week, about a week ago, mm. I guess. Um, it wasn't the end of the world, but really didn't feel like doing anything the day after and completely <laughs> just, I've been wanting to get the COVID booster so much that, um, I jumped at the first appointment that came available. Cause I've had to wait. Like, I feel like I've been trying to get it for three weeks. I got it. Oh, wow. And then I realized this is great. And I went, crap, tomorrow's Wednesday. <laughs> so <laughs> I kept the appointment because it took me so long to get it. Um, and I thought, well, when, you know, this is the, my third time around the ring. I'll, I'll see how it goes. And I didn't feel awful, but I certainly didn't feel like adulting is the mm-hmm. kind of the way that it went. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about what I did because I ended up binging a, a show on Netflix that we'll talk about in the main show. Um, but that week, uh, that was one of the many errands that I was doing. Uh, and, uh, I went out and did, I borrowed my dad's car and I went out and did a bunch of stuff I don't normally get to do and was quite uncomfortable doing it. I just, I did, I, I was doing it cause I needed to get this stuff done. You know, like you got to go to Home Depot for something. You got to go to Canadian Tire. I needed more charcoal for the barbecue. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you just needed stuff. And a bunch of different stores. I'm okay with my grocery trips. I do about once, maybe twice a week if I have to. Uh, but it's one store and I can get a good chunk of things that I need from that one store most of the time. But this ended up being more like things that I needed. Uh, Christmas gifts that were good gifts, but were the wrong size or wrong fit for a piece of furniture. And I had to return them. And you only mm-hmm. had until the end of the month of January to do it. So I kind of had, I was down to the yeah. wire, you know. So I returned a bunch of stuff, but the other thing that I was doing, um, again, tie in to the, the show later on, um, that I'll talk about this, this thing on Netflix, but I ended up reorganizing my kitchen, uh, at least so, so far I've done about half of it. Uh, I've been cooking a lot over the pandemic and, um, been leaning into just trying to do more stuff for just me, like trying to try new recipes, different things. Uh, and especially since getting the barbecue, uh, I've ended up with a lot of spices for barbecue rubs, you know, different kinds of pepper, different kinds of salts, different coarse ground versus fine and all this kind of stuff. And I tell you what doesn't stack very well in your cupboards are the plastic baggies from bulk barn. Like they tend to avalanche avalanche out and kind of like a (laughs) whenever you want something. And usually the thing that you want is on the bottom. (laughs) Um, so a while ago, I picked up a couple of jars from the dollar store and they're, I don't know what they would be. They're a little bit bigger than a Mason jar. They probably hold about 600 mils. 
uh, but they're wide mouth. And one of the reasons I like them, they're very straight. They're perfectly vertical, straight cylinders, but they're only about five inches tall, maybe about four inches wide. Oh, and yeah. And what I like about them is that you can very easily get a tablespoon or even like a quarter cup scoop into them. So if you're making a barbecue rub and you need like two tablespoons of this and, you know, four tablespoons of that or whatever, if I had stuff in little shakers, like little spice shakers, it takes bloody forever to get the stuff. And even if you can get a spoon in there, it's maybe a teaspoon. Yeah. So having the stuff uh, in bulk and I've been learning a little bit more about rather than just measure thing out scientifically, I can kind of go with like pinches. Like I could just grab a handful of, I want this much oregano in this and I want this much, you know, garlic powder or whatever. So I've been, I, be, I can get my hand in that, which is great for things like salt and things that you're a little bit more, you know, used to and are easy to handle too. Like coarse grain salts, easy to grab, that kind of thing. Anyway, I went to the dollar store, didn't break the bank, maybe 40 bucks. And I picked up all kinds of these things, like more than I thought that I needed. And I still ended up short. <laughs> um, <laughs> So now I have everything for pancakes, everything for all of my spices for cooking um, that I use on a regular basis. There's a few things like uh, like bay leaves. I didn't bother putting them in their own jar because I use them like twice a year. Like they're yeah. not not something I use a lot of. So most so those things are still in their little little zippy bags or little bags that you get from the, the store. But um, the rest of the, st the stuff that I use a lot, I went to the bulk barn. So now I have like two great big mason jars, one for salt, one for pepper. And then I've got the ones that I use immediately on like near the, 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 the stove, but I got a shelf above the stove, but okay. it, it has been so satisfying to be able to stack these things in the <laughs> cupboard. And like, I can only fit too high, but that still means like I can take all of these things that were such a problem from an organizational standpoint and know where they are. Some of them are labeled, some of them I don't need to. Like I can tell the difference between garlic and onion powder. I just have to smell it, you know, like that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but man, like it's made, it's made a huge difference. Just nice. in, like, you know, when you, it's like when you have an untidy house, you know, and you clean it that afternoon, you just, you put on a podcast and you just, you rip through the living room, you go into the kitchen and then you finish in the bathroom and you're just like, cool, adulting done. And it's very yeah. satisfying. This was very satisfying. I still yes. have to do the lower drawers. Like the, I'm, everybody's got a junk drawer. I'm going to have to throw out a lot of stuff. I'm sure. Um, there's a, some stuff in the baking drawer. Like I've got four and five of, of like these things. Like I don't need four sets of measuring spoons. Two will be fine. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> stuff that you've accumulated from like roommates that have left stuff behind or family members like here it's, this is, I've moved and I don't need this anymore. And you're just like, well, thanks. And you get home and it's like, crap, I already had one of these. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need both. Um, but I picked up some specialty stuff too. Um, the Ikea thing that I picked up that was kitchen related was a mortar and pestle. Uh, and oh, nice. yeah, I was researching them online because I've always wanted one, uh, grinding up spices, doing things like pesto for pasta. Uh, and I grow fresh herbs in the summertime. So I wanted that for like basil and, and parsley and whatnot. And, uh, online they were all like 35, $45 and like, that's a lot. I'm sure they're nice, but mm -hmm. it seems steep 20 bucks at Ikea. Yeah. And Which is, what is it made of? Granite. Like it's, it's a hefty, oh, it's nice. a hefty piece of kit. And, um, I wanted something that was deep, um, because I wanted to make barbecue rubs with it, but also I'm a bit of an ogre in the kitchen. I can make a mess very easily. And so having a small mortar <laughs> and pestle just felt like I'm just going to spread stuff everywhere. Yeah. You know, especially not knowing how to use it. 
Um, but I got one that holds at least a cup and plus gives you some room to kind of like move around and not splatter everywhere. And I thought, well, it feels like kind of a waste if I only want to do something small, but whatever. Get it home, realize it's reversible. The bottom of it that is the stand has a little indent. So if you flip it over and you only need to do like, you know, a teaspoon worth of grinding, you can do it on the bottom. <laughs> it's oh, like, ah, oh, slick. That's awesome. So happy accidents like that. You know, you're an adult when you uh, get your spice <laughs> containers from the dollar store it's home so and your mortar and pestle from Ikea that you paid half price for from anywhere else. And you're like, I am very proud of myself. I have adulted today. Where is my gold star? Like, I just, yes. it felt very. <laughs> See, in that one sentence, you went from adulting to childing right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I've done what... the adult thing. Where's my child's gold <laughs> Where's star? Where's my reward? <laughs> exactly. I'd like a cookie. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. The reward is going to be able to do like more baking and, and stuff like that. Like I had a couple things I just didn't have, you know, like you feel like you have in brownies. I didn't have a nine by nine pan. Who doesn't have a nine by nine pan? Me. That's who. <laughs> uh, I do now. Uh, and so, and I, I didn't buy anything fancy. Like I just went with like the real basic stuff. If I ended up liking a certain dish or if it's something where like this becomes problematic, it's like, okay, I will then go and spend the money on something really good. Um, if I decide that I need to use it a lot, it's, um, mm -hmm. it's how I approached with the barbecue. Like I had, I invested in like a small gas grill. It was a nicer gas grill, but it was like, I don't want to buy a big barbecue until I know exactly what I want. And then last summer I did the research and then I spent the real money on the real queue. And I, you know, I, I'm okay with starting off small with stuff like that. Do you ever do yeah. anything like that around the house? Like anything that you'd think, I want to try this. So I'm going to buy the cheap version. And if I like it, then I'll spurge on the, on the, on a nicer version, especially yeah. if the, if this cheap version is like, we're talking like dollar store cheap. Like if it's something that's doable. Yeah. I guess I don't, the opportunity doesn't come up very much and I don't want to talk about shaving every time I come on your podcast, but <laughs> that, you know, that that's exactly what I did with the, yeah. um, the razors. I, I went with the, you know, the, the Wilkinson sword one, the, the same model that you have, because it was only 20 mm. bucks, five blades included. I just wanted to see if if I could deal with it, like if my skin was okay with it, and then I, and I saved up a bit of money and had some birthday money, so I bought one that was like a, I think it ended up being about 125 with tax, with shipping and everything like that. So it was, um, which I'm very happy with. So it was, so the yeah, the short answer is yes. I just don't have very many opportunities to do that. I, I end up doing um, a lot of the stuff that I buy and and do the research on is all software related stuff. So it's. It's more, um, mm. I'll, I'll test a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff like crazy. And then, you know, if there's a monthly subscription to try something, I, I hate the subscription software, but if it seems worth it, I'll, you know, might pay for a month to see if it's good. And then if it is, then I'll kind of dive in for the full year subscription or kind of thing. That's what I like about Xbox Game Pass is I, I, on one hand, I don't finish more games, mm. but in the same way, I'm also, I've had Netflix for long enough that if I'm playing a game that I've downloaded or in sometimes in Xbox now, you can do cloud gaming for me because I do the, the Game Pass Ultimate. You don't even have to bother to download it to your system. You can just play it online. As long as it's not a taxing game and you've got a fast enough internet, then you can just play it streaming. Uh, nice. And I think I did that with Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat 11, um, it was a hefty download and I had to then remove a couple of things from the, from the hard drive to get it down. 
Um, but I thought, well, it's available on cloud. So I'll just, I'll test it out on cloud and see how it plays. It played fine. There was a couple of immersion breaking things where they would transition from scene to scene where it got kind of pixelated because that's just the stream right. buffering. And so you're like, it just every once in a while, it reminded you that it's not, you know, the perfect te technology. The fact that it was working at all was pretty epic though. Right. Like, yeah. Mortal Kombat is running on a server somewhere else and my Xbox is is playing it. And I'm I was fighting the computer. I wasn't doing anybody online. So it wasn't like I needed that kind of latency, you know. I don't think I'd want to play a first person shooter that way, but um hmm. but that kind of stuff. So I I don't mind it because it's subscription. I'm just like I'm paying 20 bucks Canadian a month and I get to spend time in games that I like, like Forza where I have more than paid for that game in, in playing it. And then other games, you're just like, this game sucks. And you're just like, I didn't spend any money yeah. on it. Like I just, yes, I had to pay for access, but I'm, because I've got that balance of like, you know, Minecraft dungeons and, and Forza and uh, not so much Halo, but what's the other one I'm playing right now? Oh, the, um, the Avengers game. So like stuff like that, where the experiences have been pleasant enough for you're like, I am, perfectly fine with the cost of the subscription anything else that doesn't come up to bar you're just kind of like whatever this sucked yep. delete like you know you don't feel bad about it it's it's nice with with software do you um do you find that the free trials are long enough to do the test um sometimes yes sometimes no sometimes i'm um, i'm eager to try something and i go oh yeah i'll get the trial when i am just not at a good point to try it so I basically, you get seven days to try it and I've downloaded it, opened it and said, cool, I'll come back to this in a bit. And then, <laughs> you know, eight, eight days have gone by and I go, all right, let's test this out. And I can't. Yeah. yeah. It's a drag. Every once in a while you can delete the preference file, relaunch it, and then it'll, then it'll work, but it doesn't always happen. So for me, I always find that I end up with the free trials that are restricted. Like you can try it for as long as you want, but like you can't save anything or you can't export in a certain way mm -hmm. or certain features are not available you can try most of these things and it's like well the one feature that i need to test is the one that you've put behind your paywall yeah. <laughs> like you know i'm i can't remember what like i'm buying this for video export and you're saying i can do all the editing i want but i can't export the video to test it that's kind of annoying yeah i, I would um, rather have access to all the features and then and when you export it it has a watermark over it so if you're like yeah. okay mm -hmm. that watermark obviously you obviously you can't use it but you can test this to no end, play with it, and then you've got to pay the fee in order to actually get it to look the way you want. And I, I totally respect that because, you know, as a company, you're basically allowing somebody to test it, like basically a full-on test drive of a car. You, you, you go and you just push this through the paces, and you go, "Yep, exactly what I want," and you know, mm -hmm. any of these crippled apps. Like, no, I, I agree. Those ones I find frustrating. I've, I've found a trend lately, um, will be, here's the software it's free. So it's either open source or we just make it free. And our business model is such that if you support us on Patreon, or if you buy a license, then what you get are the beta improvements as they come down faster. Mm. So like if you're on version three and version four is coming and it's got some cool stuff, if you pay us then you get to try version four as it come as we develop it. But if you don't, you're stuck with version three until we decide that version four is ready. Hmm. Right. 
And um, I think, I don't want to, don't quote me on this, but I want to say Blockbench was like that. Now, I mean, I'm making it sound harsher. They're, they're much nicer about how they phrase it. <laughs> um, but I want to say Blockbench was like that because that's one of the, the the programs I had to learn to make models for Minecraft resource packs. Right. Uh, it's easy to use once you kind of get the hang of it. Uh, and there's lots of tutorials and stuff out there. But I found that everything that I wanted to do was was available but i could see if i was like making a mod or if i was really creating unique things in minecraft like you know you're working on a map that you want to sell on the minecraft marketplace or something like that i could see the the the, the beta features that they were advertising i'd be just like oh yeah i could totally see me needing that kind of stuff and then you're also talking to the right audience because the people that are developing mods and developing those kind of things are also going to be wanting to support you know indie software developers because right. they are one like you know that you want to support the community so nice. um but I, i've been continuously impressed by the things that are available for free these days in terms of software yeah. you know in terms of you know free or like nominal you know like 15 bucks or less for for very good software that i see professionals using from time to time you know on social media and art apps and things like that very cool so speaking of uh, Minecraft Dungeons, I've been meaning to ask you since I know you mentioned that you you got it. Have you managed to play Minecraft Dungeons yet? Uh, no, because <laughs> that's a good question. You heard it here first, folks. Steven did not do his homework. No, he did not. <laughs> well, I've been wanting to do it on stream. I thought it might be kind of neat to just you know, crack that open and actually, you know, have people kind of say, not that I want backseat gaming, but you know, a little bit of coaching coming from people in the chat. I don't mind that at all. And I thought it might be, and, and maybe I've missed the boat. Maybe people are tired of see, seeing people launch Minecraft dungeons for the first time, but I thought it might be a fun thing, but I'm at the point right now where, you know, things are pretty busy with work and other things that I'm doing that I, I don't have time to make <laughs> the graphics for a new game. And so like right mm -hmm. now, like I, I play Minecraft in a single player world, Minecraft on the Citadel, I do drawings. I have three different full sets of graphics for for those, and then I just haven't had a time had time to do it for because I'd like to do Mario Kart Online. I'd like to do Minecraft Dungeons. I'd like to do not that I've got the Nintendo Switch ready to go. You need a capture card, I think. I've got one. Oh, you got one? Yeah. There's a there's one called uh, Shadowcast that was uh, Shadow I mean, Shadowcast or Shadowcaster. I forget. I think it's just Shadowcast. It was a Kickstarter project and it was it's forty forty nine dollars US. So. Wow. Or, yeah, it was pretty. It works pretty well. It's it's pretty easy. You have to download uh, free software for it, but essentially, I hit power on the switch, open the app, and the switch is just there on my computer. And so Streamlabs just captures whatever's on my computer, and I can just make it go full screen. And it's yeah, it's it was it's surprisingly sweet. And and the sound on the the iMac is <laughs> it's it's it was a, a better experience than I expected. I thought you know oh yeah this oh yeah screen smaller than my TV. But I'm sitting a lot closer to it, so it's it looks really pretty darn cool. Oh yeah, no, uh, Minecraft Dungeons has a lot of great um, sound effects mm. too. Like they're just. Or are you talking about Mario Kart? Um, well, I, I I did Mario Kart and a couple of other games, but it was just the fact that it was so large and bright and. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean the capture card's only doing, I think it's just high def, like 1080, but right, it looked. It, it upsampled it well enough for the the 5K iMac. I was I was surprised. I was genuinely pleased at the quality. So, what was the name of the capture card again? Um, Shadowcast. 
I've often thought about streaming from the Xbox, but in a way it's kind of like my time to play and not stream. Yeah. So like I, I, I tend to, but then I find there's stuff that's available on Xbox that I won't play. Cause I think like, well, that would be better streamed. You know, like I would, I would have more fun with this game. Um, especially like the chill games that are easy to talk over. Like I'm not going to play Stardew Valley on my Xbox. Right. Right. I could, but in one way, I also think like, I don't want to play a game on the Xbox that I could play on my phone. <laughs> you know, like I kind of <laughs> want to use it for something like Forza, you know, it's yeah. worth it on, on the big screen. Um, but I feel like Stardew Valley, I know the community would respond well to and, and, and it's something that I can see myself very easily having a chill mm -hmm. stream about. Yeah. So I, I, I tend to save it for that kind of stuff. Yeah. My but. son, my sons have told me I need to do that one. So that's, it's on my list of things to do. I just, I haven't actually decided whether it'd be better to do on the computer or on a switch. So what else has been filling out your time? Cleaned up my office over the past weekend, which was long overdue. You were talking about adulting and just being super satisfying. And I, I've been finding it hard to uh, catch up on, the, um, the book of Boba Fett, which I know we'll talk about later. So I, I had that on the computer while I was cleaning up. So I was able to catch up on everything, which was really nice. We've been watching, uh, my wife and I have been watching Game of Thrones finally. I've been getting the DVDs from the library and that's... I always forget that you've not seen that. How far are you in? Uh, we have one disc left in season two. So two episodes left in season two. So Season two. Okay. Still a ways to go. All right. But the fact that we can get it from the library is still pretty rocking. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I can't talk about it with you unless you start, because I, I don't know where season two is. Like right. I don't have that memorized. So like, gosh, there's so much stuff that I could say that could ruin things. Like I won't, <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about it unless you, unless you bring up something specific off mic and I'll just say, like, okay, cool. Yeah. We talked about that because I will just, I will not remember where people are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I know we're coming to it late and, you know, it's almost fair game in terms of spoilers, but I don't really know much about the show. It's like, it's because it's been on and then off the air for so long now that yeah. nobody's really talking about it. So we can actually just watch it in and safely not have to worry about it. So it's been, it's been great. It's been long enough now that I could watch the first three or four seasons and I could probably remember outcomes, but I wouldn't remember the paths and the twists. Right. You know, like I wouldn't remember, you know, and the acting is such a good, it's such a good, um, sampling of of actors and and set decoration and direction and art Agreed. direction like it just it's yeah like it just, it's it's transportative which is nice uh especially in the canadian winter yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> i mean granted if you're at the wall it's not that different <laughs> but <laughs> uh but it still feels it definitely feels like not our world you know yeah. which is it's escapist show yeah uh well that's what i like about you know mandalorian and star wars and and book of boba fett and um that other one that was on amazon recently uh wheel of time oh, right. uh, also kind of like because it's like a fantasy and a period piece and it's got some sci-fi-esque elements to it like there's just it's very not here mm -hmm. you know like there's only so many shows i can watch where it's all set kind of like modern day yeah sort of thing so nice uh, but before we get into the book of boba fett i do want to give a short shout out to the show that i binged on netflix uh last week which is the chef show <laughs> uh this is there's a film in 2016 called chef starred uh, john favreau uh and uh it's a it's a story about a, a middle-aged guy that reinvents his life and reconnects with his son by becoming a chef and starting a food truck and um, John Favreau and Roy Choi, Chef Roy Choi, 
do the chef show. And Chef Choi was the chef that trained John for the film. So he looked like he knew what he was doing nice. on camera. And they've become really good friends. Uh, and so what I liked so much about this show that's different from some of the other cooking documentaries that I've tried to get into is the other documentaries are kind of pretentious. And it's all about like, this is why this chef is so, so great. And they basically just kind of show you a lot of like, documentary footage like if it starts with a sunrise of the chef getting up and going to work not my kind of show like mm. <laughs> i i want to watch people cook like i want to see what's happening yeah and while the chef show don't give you necessarily the blow by bow recipes you could probably figure it out uh or or it's online somewhere you know that's that's something you could look up um but the fact that you're watching them cook you have John who's learning, asking legit questions that you have, like, why did we just put salt in that? You know, and then Chef Choi will be just like, oh, this is why. Um, because we want to balance out the acidity from the lemons or like whatever it is that mm. he's got for an answer. Now, he's cooking, like he's not baking. So he's very much like sprinkled a little bit of this, handful of that. He's yeah. like, whoa, how much was that? You know, but you are watching it. So you can kind of understand, okay, that was like four or five cloves of garlic. That's more than I thought. But they're all, whenever they share the meal with somebody, which they often do because they have guests on the show, um, everyone is always kind of blown away. And I don't get the impression that John or... Roy or or any of the guests would be blowing smoke at one another because they all respect the craft and if it's a good food it's good food yeah. right and so I don't really feel like they're acting if it was terrible um but it's a grid show there's like six volumes of it maybe five or six episodes of volume they're half an hour long they're easy to digest nice. um great great cutscenes the cutscenes are all stop motion animation of like a food truck driving around um and then they show you like a breakdown in the animation about what the ingredients are they don't give you the measurements but they're like this has you know these six ingredients and it kind of pauses the screen briefly in this dramatic little kind of thing and then they go into the, to the show and they, the best part about it is is they travel around to different kitchens and they'll work with different cooks and john will end up showing off some new skill that he knows or he'll help um need you know pizza dough for the first time and someone's like oh cool you're natural and you know like they kind of you get to see like what someone is like that's never done it before mm -hmm. and so it's not like you're watching some show where it's like boop 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 and it's like the perfect loaf of bread yeah you know because john does his and it's lopsided it's <laughs> kind of like and then the people running the shop are just like it's it's okay. It's fine. And John's like, I've heard that tone of voice before. <laughs> like you, you are not being honest with me, you know? Uh, so that kind of stuff is fun. Nice. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's easy to find, uh, easy to watch. It's called the chef show. And, um, if you like to cook or if you like, um, to watch people cook, then it would be, it's an excellent, uh, excellent escape and not as much as it is a reality show in that they're not actors. It's not a reality show. Yeah. Like it's not, there's no drama. They just, no winner. they all hang out. They all, yeah, there's no winner. They all hang out. There's no competition. I mean, friendly competition among friends, but like there's just, you know, it's like John does something and if it's better than what Chef Choi does, then he gets kind of like mad <laughs> because he's yeah. the chef and he's trained John. So it's supposed to be a compliment, but he's like, you're not allowed to do that better than me. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. That's kind of stuff is fun. But mm -hmm. I, I, I highly, I highly recommend. Did you see the, uh, um, the movie chef? 
No, not yet. Uh, I thought I saw it on Netflix, but it's not there now. Now, oh, so no. I have to. Yeah, I have to go find it somewhere else. I don't know where it is. It might. I think. I want. It, I. It might be on like HBO or or Crave or something. And at that point in March or whenever Picard comes out, when I right. resub to Crave to check that out, I'll probably end up. You know grabbing a couple of films because right now like outside of this and disney plus like there is not a lot grabbing me on netflix mm. um there's some horror movies that are new there's a couple of other dramas um ozark i know is very well written and very well acted but it's too dark for me right now so um there's not much on offer for me um so i've been playing mostly video games nice. but um, but the chef show was, was good and kind of inspired the whole clean up my kitchen, kind of like make it a little <laughs> bit easier, nice. you know, to, to, to do stuff, um, from there because they're so organized because they have to be, because they're making a TV show. Like all the ingredients have to be out there yeah. on the table. They can't be looking for stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, nice. but you said, um, so for, for the main topic, um, do you have like a different show or are we, are you going to talk about Boba Fett? We can talk about Boba Fett. I mean, honestly, it's uh, the only thing that I've watched other than that is uh, we watched the first three episodes of a show called um, The Legend of Vox Machina. Oh, I did too. I watched that too. Nice. Yeah. What did you think? Um, I kind of, I'm interested in where the story is going, but I, I was at the risk of sounding like a prude. I was shocked at how <laughs> crass it was. Like it yeah. was... Um, um yeah my older son saw it he he knew what it was he knew what was coming because he follows those um critical role that crew yeah. on online and has watched them play dungeons and dragons before so he was super stoked and so to like you know this it's just laced with swearing there's nudity in it um just all kinds of sexual innuendos from the bard. It's like, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> and as soon as I was watching this with my two kids, I'm like, Oh my goodness. So it's, it's, it's tough because it's like one of those things. I think we talked about this on the, uh, the Christmas show, like in the anime, some of the stories seem so interesting and original, but then you've got all of this stuff in it. That just makes me go like, why like this? Mm-hmm. It just, I feel like a bad human for continuing to watch this, even though the tale has me interested the rest of it makes me feel kind of like I need to go shower afterwards or something. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. Uh, I continued to watch because I mean, it's had an epic budget because the animation looks great. Mm-hmm. I think it was Titmouse that did the animation. It, I mean, it looks like an American anime. Like it's got this great kind of like action Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Yeah. Um, with, with blood and guts and violence oh my and goodness, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Tons of that. Um, and and I, I knew what I was in for. I've not watched a lot of Critical Role. I've seen clips, you know, I've seen like social media highlights. Um, and I knew from, I think, I think it was like the trailer or the the Kickstarter or whatever they did. Like I had heard about it and I, I kind of go, oh, okay. So it's an adult humor show. Like it's not meant to be an adventure. It's not going to be mm-hmm. like Voltron. It's going to, or, or, or Troll Hunters or whatever. It's going to be more aimed at, at the adults. And I, I do roll my eyes and I check out, um, with the bard. Yeah. That's, that's where I draw the line. I don't mind the violence and I don't mind some of the other nudity and stuff. Cause they're like, you know what, if, if it's an adult show and it's animated, like I'm, a, 
grown man and I love animation. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be aimed at at eight year olds, you know, and no like I say no songs. Like I mean no Disney songs. Like I don't need to the character to sing their motivation for yeah. the next five minutes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess for me though, but, the show was like, if you had taken out like the, like my yeah, if you took out the nudity and the violence and you still have the swearing in it, it would still be like the same show. Like it, it just feels like it's put in because yes. like you, you know, we've talked about it before with Invincible and the boys and stuff like that. It's because it's that eighteen plus category. It's like they just went, well, it's 18 plus, so we're going to add that in. Like, it it doesn't need to be there. And the show would be, I would, you know, you could say better for it because then it would just it would just be story-driven as good. opposed to, like... It would be really good. Yeah. yeah, it would be really story-driven. And, and here's the, I mean, here's where their hands are tied is that they're staying true to the role-play group, yeah. right? They're ta- staying true to the critical role show on, on Twitch, where these people are all role playing, having a good time playing D and D. They have done these characters for a while, and the minstrel, like the bard, that's how he's played. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, there is. And but what made me think about it was like at first it reminded me of how much any song from The Witcher pulls me out of the out of the show. Like it just sounds too modern. Like, mm. it sounds like a pop song in the Witcher universe, even though I know they've written it to be like a, um, you know, a, a minstrel's uh, tune. It still just sounds like it's presented or 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 sung too modern yeah. and it pulls me out of it. Um, and, and and it's meant to be catchy, which yeah. I, I don't think that they I mean, I could be wrong. Historians correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like it matches the vibe of the Witcher. And I don't feel like the songs match this at all you didn't, you because didn't think, not only didn't think the rap fit <laughs> no that's what i mean like not only are they vulgar and one note like every time the bard opens his mouth he's trying to get you to put your dick in it like it's yeah. just he's that kind of character and he never changes and so he's doing these these songs but then they don't keep it like medieval sounding music. Like he's doing rap or he's doing disco. Where do the, I mean, the lights come from the fact that he's magic and that's how he does his magic is that he sings. Yeah. And so then there's like disco lights. And that's when I roll my eyes and go, this is why I don't RP with strangers. Like if I was going over <laughs> to someone's house, like, Hey, do you want to play Dungeons and Dragons with me and five other people that you've never met before? I would be like, no, because one of you is like this bard. <laughs> like one of you, like we're all going to be here i'm gonna be a dragon kin i'm gonna have a big old hammer we're gonna try to smash some works you know my friend over there is gonna be a wizard and she's gonna try to you know zap people with her wand and this douche knuckle in the corner is gonna be that guy where he's gonna walk in with you know uh, modern language he's gonna be a bard he's gonna sing songs he's gonna try to screw everything that moves and it's just gonna pull me out of what i mean maybe uh i'm not sure what the word narrow-sightedly think of (laughs) fantasy fantasy adventure like i you know um i mean can you imagine lord of the rings if they were dropping f-bombs no you know (laughs) like that just it just doesn't work well even Um, in uh yeah since i mean i know we're going to move into uh the book of boba Mm -hmm. fett but they've got they've got their own what is it dank they've got a swear word that's their own that they use when something's going something's cool or something's going wrong i forget what it is but oh 
I don't remember either. Something dank. They might say, but, they say slag a fair amount. Like slag means junk. Yeah. You know, like they'll, they'll refer to things as, as that's crap. As, as opposed to saying like the ship is shit. Yeah. They'll say like it's slag. Exactly. You know, like they'll, they'll ins insert words that you understand to be, you know, like nerf her. That was apparently an insult. You know, it sounds silly, but to them it was, you know, not, not the best. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a Star Wars reference, not a book of Boba <laughs> Fett, but, but yeah, like I don't, I don't have much else to say about, um, Legend of Vox Machina. Yeah. It's worth watching, especially if you're a fan of the of the role play. But like, just be warned yeah. and cover. You know, like, no kitties. Exactly. Like, everybody's going to be over sixteen. Yeah, and if it says <laughs> or, eight, or eighteen yeah. plus, it, it's it says that for a reason in this one. It's not for because a it's just a lot of gun yeah. shooting. It's just like they've checked all the boxes on the eighteen plus this time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it pushes some buttons, and you know, I I'm not saying that I. I necessarily like those buttons being pushed, but it's good that they're pushing boundaries. You know, like it's the kind of thing where like you have one show that does this, that does too far, but then maybe someone else will say like, well, if Amazon will let that kind of show be made, what if I did one that was basically game of Thrones, but animated like mm. without all the silliness, but like still had the violence and the peril. And like, just because they're in the credits, you know, the people aren't safe. Like that would be a fun animation to watch because normally with anime, like animated stuff, everybody always wins, yeah. you know, like just, there's not a lot of peril and that kind of stuff. But, um, well, speaking of, uh, other stuff with its own swear words, like the book of Boba Fett, <laughs> um, Steven and I are going to be talking about the next two episodes. So today was episode six and we'll be talking about episode five as well. Cause, um, I forgot, <laughs> here's the thing. I forget that Boba Fett comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, and, I had watched episode five and thought, I'm going to talk about that on the next episode of the Citadel Cafe because it was excellent. <laughs> and then I completely forgot that there was another one that was going to come out this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I watched it on my lunch break. Um, but spoilers for those that haven't seen it because it has just come out today. Uh, and um, last week, you probably saw last week, if you're following these shows, chances are the internet said you have to watch last week before you do anything. So, exactly. um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, episode five, which was um, an episode that didn't have Boba Fett in it at all. And I think that uh, that speaks to the level of the show. I have been slowly falling off of Book of Boba Fett and I forget <laughs> that when it comes out and now I'm back in because Din Djarin is back. We've got the Mandalorian in the series and episode five was essentially an episode from the unaired season three of the Mandalorian because there was no Boba Fett. Fennec Shan showed up for a hot second at the end and that was it. Yeah. The fact that he's on Tatooine is the only tie in uh, to the other shows. And, uh, I was all for it. I thought it was fantastic. It was so good. Oh, like what? Yeah. Uh, no Boba Fett, no space scooters and no techno music. And you're like, oh, it's back to being star Wars. And, uh, I noticed it immediately. And, uh, to no, to no surprise, I didn't know this at first when I tuned in, but at the ends when the credit rolled, uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard who has directed some of my favorite Mandalorian episodes from the previous seasons. Oh, nice. So again, yeah. And I, I, I tend to notice her other episodes in, in the seasons of Mandalorian when they tend to have a lot of heart, mm. like they have, you know, they have something about the relationship between Din Djarin and Grogu or, 
they just have some sort of like softer side to Mando displayed. Uh, and I, I go, wow, that was really different. It really had a lot of, a lot of feeling there. And then you find out that it's directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. If you didn't see the credit at the start, I don't know if they, I feel like they do a cold open. I don't think they list the director at the start. Um, but the other thing that I noticed immediately, uh, when watching this, this episode was that visually it hit all the notes. It really felt like star Wars really felt like star Wars and, uh, she gets it. I mean, Favreau gets it too. Uh, and so does Filoni, but like, I've, I don't always find that the book of Boba Fett is nailing the star Wars feel. No. Uh, it feels off somehow. Uh, it, well, it feels like Disney has their big spoon in it, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) insert space scooters. Like, no, it, like it was, it was either the episode before, I don't remember which episode, but it had the slowest car chase I've ever seen <laughs> in media with speeders and space scooters. And it felt like they were going at the speed of like molasses. Did you talk about um, the previous two episodes, episodes three and four in the last podcast? I apologize that it. No, I don't no? think so. I don't remember whether Lou and I got into it. I think if we did anything, we probably made a joke about the space scooters and moved yeah. on. Like, I, I don't recall it being a big thing. Lou and I were talking about video games, I think. I don't think it was, I don't think it was Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, because I think it's kind of worth mentioning how cringy those scooters are. <laughs> oh, it's awful. The whole show is is got some cringy, like, there's redeemable moments, like a Rancor yeah. and the Huts showing up um, and then disappearing for no good reason. And the Wookie, like, and the beefy so, Wookie, and the oh, Wookie. Uh, what's his amazing. name? Amazing. Uh, Kershan, Kershan, Kershan. Um, he's cool. Yeah. He's really cool. Uh, and and they have all these kind of like great callbacks to other uh, Star Wars moments and stuff like that. But when it comes down to the main roles of the show, they're underserving dialogue to Fennec Shan. Oh my goodness! Uh, Thank like, you for saying that. And I that. love. Migna win like she's amazing yeah but you like just they're underutilizing everything that she's capable of um her dialogue sounds like an 80s action movie <laughs> you know like it, it's it's the duck or look out or like i'll bet i could do that better than you like she just it's there's no substance to it whatever no. um and boba fett is he's a cartoon character like he's he's like he doesn't seem tough at all no you know, like if you put, if you ask me like, which is the tougher Mandalorian, you know, Din Djarin or Boba Fett, uh, Din Djarin by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just something about the way that they, they're portraying. And I, I say this specifically, the current Boba Fett, when they go back in time with the sand people, he's a little bit tougher. I actually really liked all, I would probably say I liked all of the backstory. I thought that was really interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was weird to me that they had backstory, modern day that just didn't live up to it. Backstory, better modern day, but then it's just tough. But you knew they were kind of, as we talked about before, merging backstory and modern day. So they kind of came to like a current day meeting point and would just take off from there, which they did in episode four. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just, man, I missed the old stuff. It was such so much more interesting. It It, it, it was well paced. It sort of took its time like the Mandalorian did. And it just feels like the current day stuff is, like you said, the dialogue is just painful. Oh, it's wooden. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. It's really bad. But then, like, you get into the stuff with, you know, to go back to the current episodes um, with um, 
the Mandalorian. Like, not only is the pace right, the look right, you know, it feels good. Mm -hmm. Then the dialogue, like whenever they're speaking, it's essential. He has a conversation with the armorer, uh, the woman with the gold, goldish brass kind of helmet that does all the smelting for them. And not only does she make him give up the, the um, Beskar spear, which to me gave him a really unique silhouette. Mm -hmm. And I was really sad to see it go because uh, you're used to seeing Boba Fett with like his little flag antenna on his helmet. And then he's also got like a, a rocket on top of his jetpack, right. Like he has something that kind of sticks up over the top of his head, but it's central. And they had this very thin spear hooked on uh, Din Djarin's back, but to the, his left, I think. Anyway, when you see him in silhouette, it created something interesting. He looked more unique he, and he looked badass, right? But then the armor was just like that can pierce Beskar. The fact that you have it is uh, like against our beliefs. Like it poses a threat to us. Yeah. So you can't have it. Beskar is meant for armor, only. armor yeah. not weapons or so- something to those to that effect. Um, and he's got the dark saber too, which she then tries to, to show him how to use. And it continues to get heavier as he uses it, which is really bizarre. It's interesting though. I actually found that pretty intriguing. It's almost like it's, um, Aside of, I guess, lightsabers, or maybe because it is a dark saber that it's it's different. You mm-hmm. just you can't. It's almost like it's got its its own, not a mind of its own, but there, it's there's like almost like a, a magic behind it that you just you just can't. Not just anyone can wield it, kind of thing. Exactly, and so he's not the first Mandalorian um, in recent years to to use it. Um, Sabine Wren, who is from Rebels, have you watched that series? No, I haven't. No. So, okay, slight spoiler, but it's it happens just before A New Hope. The Rebellion is trying to set up in their timeline. Um, and she ends up, Sabine ends up with the Darksaber and a Jedi. Um, Kim, can't remember his name. Um, anyway, he's blind and he, he's training oh. her how to use it. But when she's learning... She some, she said something about about how heavy it was, but then, as she either accepted her skill or became more confident, or it was about a feeling like she had to reach a certain point emotionally mm. before she could use the blade, and we're getting a lot of conflict with Din Djarin, right? Like he misses Grogu, he's not sure about the bounty hunter, he's looking about a change of career, like he, he we're you know he's leaning on he's hired muscle now you know, for Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. So like there's this conflict and I get the impression that um, when they introduced the duel between Vizsla and Din Djarin, uh, which he won by a hair. uh, And then the armorer uh, asked him a question about, did he take his helmet off? And she, she then finds out he has, because he showed Grogu his face. Uh, And um, she, she banishes him. Uh, you're out of the you're out of the group, and for people that haven't seen Clone Wars or don't remember, um, Vizsla was the name of a Mandalorian antagonist that was a thorn in the side of Obi Wan Kenobi during the Clone Wars, hmm. and he was the head of something Watch. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, 
but um night watch or death death watch i think it was death watch i mean they're bad guys so um but they were an extremist mandalorian group so not really how mandalore is meant to be portrayed or want to be portrayed they're like the old ways think like old testament like that kind of a stuff interesting and so it really kind of makes you think like wait a minute like i liked injarin but these rules have always been really strict and weird and so i'm thinking that the armorer is a bad guy and Din Djarin, our boy is in a cult <laughs> and yeah. he just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> right. And, and like the fact that he can't, you know, that, that he's given all these mandates and that he just has to abide by these rules where no one in the universe seems to like follow them. Um, it, it, I feel like they're foreshadowing in season three of the Mandalorian, which we will get eventually that he is going to realize this, that he is going to find himself up against his, I can't remember what they're called, cell pocket. I can't remember what they called them, uh, the group of Mandalorians. Hmm. Um, w- whenever happens, he's going to find himself making a choice, and I don't think he's going to side with them. I think he's going to be against them. You know, they're I, they're going to deal like an absolutes. They're going to be like, you're either for us or against us. And he's like, well, then I guess I'm against you. Yeah. You know, like I just I can see it coming, and in, in a good way. Like they're they're foreshadowing it in a in a good good way. It's interesting though because I I really like the way you're seeing this, but it almost makes me now wish that this episode is part of the Mandalorian because for some people who start to watch the Book of Boba Fett and who might be lukewarm on it, like you know, you and I are to a degree, but we'll keep watching it because it's it's interesting and part of the greater story, but some people who might yeah. after episode two go, mm, not for me, they're going to miss this. What I would say is a really important chapter in the Mandalorian story. Um, and it's in a different show. Like it almost feels like if, if uh, Mando had a shown up and was helping Boba Fett for a while as like, cool, he's here and that's awesome. And it keeps the Boba Fett story going. And then at the end of the show, he's like, I got to go now, basically look after my own television show and then this was the yeah. first chapter of that show, because now like, people who haven't seen it, they're gonna they're gonna watch the Mandalorian again, and they're gonna they're gonna go, wait, what do you mean he's not considered a Mandalorian anymore? And why doesn't he have the spear? Anymore? Like, there's just a few mm-hmm. things that I feel like make me wish that the more that we talk about this, it makes me wish that this was episode one of season three of the Mandalorian. The book of Boba Fett could have been, they could have just taken half of what's happened in the book of Boba Fett episodes and woven them into other things. Mm-hmm. Like we could have spent half the time with Boba Fett in the past. And then the other half of the show, we could have spent with Din Djarin <laughs> doing whatever Din Djarin yeah. is doing. You know, like I, I feel like it, I don't think, and I never thought that Boba Fett warranted his own show. I'm, I was happy to say I'll watch it and it's the star Wars I have right now. But I remember when they made the announcement, just like, but why do we need another Mando show? Mm. Like, if we're going to do another Star Wars show, give me something different. You know, like, I'd rather watch Solo, you know, as a series than, you know, than than Boba Fett mm. or any other, ba- like, pick another bounty hunter, you know, like, do do like one of the droids or like, you know, something else that would have been really interesting. Um, not just another Mandalorian show. Um, and And I, you know, like, I wonder... If they started making Boba Fett and realized it wasn't doing very well, mm-hmm. or they just realized, you know, or somebody higher up the chain says like, this is not good. Um, and because so much of 
Mandalorian has been underway, but then delayed by the pandemic con- restrictions. Because Mandalorian was originally supposed to come out last year. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So I'm wondering if they said, well, how can we save Boba Fett? <laughs> we can insert the first part of season three of The Mandalorian into Boba Fett. Yeah. You know, like it is it is a hard right turn. It yeah. doesn't fit at all with what's going on no. with Boba Fett. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. And I am here for it. But it is not part of what we've been set up for. <laughs> like, it's just, it's forced it's like a square peg in a round hole and everybody's like, it'll fit. Yeah. We'll, we'll eat it. But like <laughs> same yeah, timeline, it's, it's let's a, go. That's about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I, I mean, all that aside, uh, some really cool star Wars stuff happened in, in episode five. Um, the razor crest of course is gone at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Din Djarin needs a ship and, uh, he was looking for a razor crest and I can't remember her name cause I don't like her as a character. She's the mechanic. <laughs> she used to be on. Saturday That's funny. Night Live. I do like her. That's, Really? Yeah. Oh, she drives me nuts. Anyway, he meets her and they. she ends up saying like, I know better. You don't want a big clunky razor crest. You want this. And it's a Naboo starfighter. It's been ripped down to nothing. Like it's just a shell. But you immediately recognize it from episode one as a new Naboo starfighter. Yeah. And um, at first I thought Anakin's Naboo starfighter, but the internet has like translated the writing on the side of the cockpit and it's, it's different. So hmm. not the same. Uh, but still the the vibe was there of like, oh, I've seen one of these before. Um, and then they com- just completely trick it out like a hot rod. Yeah, and, it looks slick. Oh, and it sounds amazing. I was talking to Chad about this today and that's where I got the hot rod reference because I was like, I don't know what they did because uh, the, the move starfighters were kind of cool looking, but I wouldn't put them up there as like the cool Star Wars ships. Like when you think iconic Star Wars ships, the Naboo starfighter is not no. one of them that first comes to mind. It is right? now. <laughs> it is. It is now because of the, it's the color change. It's not a banana. Uh, and the extra parts on it, like it's not all sleek. Right. Yeah. Because part of the charm of Star Wars is that you can see the workings, you know, like stuff is sparking. You've got little blinking lights on the outside of the ship that look like they're going to fall off, like all that kind of stuff. And and the way that, you know, they the Mandalorian and, and the mechanic put things together for some fun sequences with like little animals and little droids. And there's a really fun dad moment where he's trying to tell the droid to hold the flashlight a certain <laughs> way. <laughs> the droid can't get it right. Stuff like that. I did laugh at the joke where she said she dated a Jawa and they're kind of furry and she kind of made a face. I thought that was funny, but then she made the exact same joke three minutes later. Yeah. And that's why I don't like the character. She just, she does that repetitive humor thing where like, she might as well be doing the Fozzie bear Muppet. Ah, like, did you get, did you get the joke? I made the joke. Did you like it? It was a joke. And he was like, yes, I, it was funny until you started calling attention to it. Um, and so that, that kind of stuff kind of takes me out of it. But, um, man, when he gets in the Naboo starfighter for the first time, like that was, that was some fan service yeah. is what that was. was. And he's not a very, gen- really generally, the... not a generally very expressive character on the show, but even though he was, he didn't have a lot of excitement in his voice when he came back, he was just like, Oh, thank. That was just basically going, wow. Wow. Like using different words, but he was, he was super impressed, which is cool. Yeah, I think wizard is what wizard. That's what he said. Exactly. Wizard. Yeah. That was wizard. I was like, I've never heard that star Wars slang before. That's going to stand out in my brain for a while. <laughs> Beggars Canyon is womp rats. Uh, there was the, the being pulled over by the X-Wing, X-Wing fighters. Yeah. 
and then fighters out, again. And then outrunning the X-Wings fighters. Can't remember what she called it. But did you catch the... It's the engine piece. It's the big long pole that the yeah. Jawas... He sends for it. Did you did you catch what that is? No. So in A New Hope, when they're in the trash compactor, Han Solo is using one to kind of pry up. <laughs> he's trying to hold. He's trying to hold the walls back nice. with this long pipe thing. Looks like a pole vault, and that's what that's what this is. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I didn't catch it myself. Someone on the internet said, "Hey, you've seen this before, by the way." And I went, "Son of a <laughs> like," and that's what I mean. Like when. When Bryce Dallas Howard and and John Favreau like smash their heads together, like Star Wars magic mm-hmm. happens. Um, I even shared a meme on Facebook, which was audio of Yoda and Obi Wan Kenobi talking, mm-hmm. saying Obi Wan says that boy is our last hope, and it's a picture of John Favreau on screen. Nice. <laughs> and then Yoda goes, "No, there is another." And then the Star Wars music from episode nine picks up like the finale and they start showing images of Bryce Dallas Howard. Nice. It's so good. It's so good. Fans are calling for a feature film from, from Dallas Howard, which I'm on board for yeah. as long as Favreau's writing, like bring it. I think it'll be the best thing that Star Wars has seen in a long time. That'd, um, be, that'd be slick. Yeah. I mean, really the ship was kind of like the highlight of, of episode four. Um, whereas Grogu was the episode five, like oh, episode, five sorry, six, yeah. five, five and six. So episode five was the ship. And then episode um, six is him using the ship and going to find Grogu. Like, what did you think of the, like, did you get through this episode? I did. Yeah. I, I really liked it as well. It felt very much like, again, an episode of the Mandalorian, which is probably, <laughs> Why I liked it. it. It's tough, though, because these are the two best episodes. And it bums me out a little bit because I'm enjoying Boba Fett, but then having the best episodes be not about the show I'm watching at all seems a little bit weird. Um, but no, it's good. It was, it was again, it was touching. He wanted to go and see Grogu again, wanted to give him the special gift that he had made. And, and it just, you know, it hits. It was nice. I actually, but it, Boba, um, Grogu, though. I've been finding lately, and the internet may hate me for it, but yeah, Grogu's taking me out of it, though. It's just, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's getting too far into it now, but I found... What did you think of the episode first? Then I'll talk about Grogu. I liked it. Um, I'm giving them props for sticking with puppetry as opposed to (laughs) to do CG stuff. There's some parts where it still was very, very puppety, but it still had its charm. Um, much, much like the CG stuff that they did with Luke Skywalker, which I didn't think they were going to do again. I thought that was a once and, and done situation with the end of Mandalorian season two. Well, I didn't think we were going to see Grogu or Luke ever again. Like I just thought that was awesome. That's all we're getting. Hmm. We'll see this clip on YouTube for years to come, but that I didn't think we're going to get, or if we saw Grogu, it wouldn't be until like much later and it would be like a different, totally different puppet. Hmm. Um, Interesting. but so the fact that they're spending all of this time with Luke and Grogu in this episode, which again, wasn't expecting, um, I thought was good, but it did sort of take the charm out of it mm-hmm. a little bit, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. Um, and it's all good when they're sitting and meditating and doing funny little personality stuff. But the moment they start to move around, it really starts to pull me out of it. Yep. And that's exactly um, what my, my combat was going to be. <laughs> yeah. They had them just like basically yeah. whenever Grogu jumped, 
he just would basically lift up and move. There, there was no springboarding. It was just like, you know, pick up the sack of potatoes and place it over there and place it over there yeah. and place it over there. And it was cute when they had him trying to jump on his own when he was little. And obviously he's got little legs and he can't bend down mm-hmm. very far. But I just, I find, you were saying, you know, props to sticking with the puppets, but I almost wish this time they had a try to do a little bit of cgi just because it was it was so obvious that somebody was just picking this up and moving it yeah the the landings were really stiff they didn't have the same weight like you go back and you think about the 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 sword fight the late cyber battle between yoda and count dooku in attack of the clones Mm. where we've never seen yoda use a lightsaber ever you know before going to see that movie in in theaters and it had the same moment actually very similar now that i think about it to when Cat picked up the hammer, oh, yeah. when Yoda lit up his lightsaber, the audience went bananas, right? Like just everyone was like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> you know? And then Yoda starts jumping and flipping like a pinwheel. And he's like, of course, this is how he fights. Like, this is crazy because he's two foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, you kind of expect Grogu to start catching on. I was disappointed that when they start, first start going for their stroll, that it was Luke lifting him up and bringing him along. I was hoping that Grogu had learned enough from his time with Luke, because we don't know how long it's been, that he was now moving himself along. And I thought, well, that's an excellent solution to the scale problem of how does Grogu, who we eventually want to see hang out with Man- the Mandalorian again, mm-hmm. how does he keep up? The Man- like Mando can't carry him all the time because that just gets old. So having Grogu know how to force jump or kind of like hop makes a lot of sense. Um, but again, like we, and we get to see it by the end cause he was dodging the, um, the training droid. Yeah. But the thing that really pulled me out of it more so than the, the digital stuff, cause they did the whole de-aging put Luke Skywalker's face on some other actor deal. Um, but the lips just really weren't there. And I think because of their limitations with the technology, the acting for Luke was so subdued. He had the emotional range of a mushroom yeah like he just was so bored all the time and it just it didn't feel like the wise cracking like sure he's a jedi master but like you remember the conversation that he had with han solo on the on the skiff you know to to the sarlacc pit like they're cracking jokes you know like you know they're just stick with me and everything will be fine yeah sure kid whatever like there's none of that and and I feel like it just becomes dehumanized. Mm-hmm. And then you really start to realize that it's just not like, obviously, well, I mean, you know, and that's the other thing, you know, because how old Mark Hamill is that this isn't him and you know, it's fake. Yeah. Controversial opinion. Curious to know your answer. I wish they had recast Luke Skywalker. Um, That's a tough one. Like a different actor. Yeah. I mean, th- there was actually talk about what uh, Sebastian Stan he was saying he wanted to be younger. He would have been willing and wanting to be a younger Luke Skywalker. But I actually, I feel like now he's he's old enough, I guess. He, he looked, this might sound mean, I can't think of a better way to say it, but looked like war-weathered by the time Falcon and the Winter Soldier came around. Like he, I don't think he could have played a young Luke Skywalker. And that's the, that's the issue that I have, though. I think they've made the Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian look too young. If you look at the at Luke Skywalker, I mean, he's not old, old, but he's not as young as I feel like and babyface as they're making him look mm. in this. I feel like in the Return of the Jedi, he's 
he's got a little bit of, of character to a little him. Weird he's not, a, yeah, he's not a spring chicken. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like, um, I, I feel like the, the CG and stuff just, it, I think it's just, it's a, it's an audience problem. Like it's a, if you had never seen any other stuff, you just like, he looks a little bit funny, but I don't get it. Right. Yeah. But because everybody knows it's not Mark Hamill, like you kind of, you're always looking for the flaws. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's, it's that's, an uphill battle. That's really well said because that's, that's what it is too. It's just, you, you look to find out where it's not glued together as seamlessly as it could be. I mean, I still like the knowledge we're getting, like learning about Grogu, getting the, you know, learning the force, the fact that Ahsoka Tano was there mm-hmm. and, and the key character decisions of, uh, Din Djarin traveling all that way to give the, um, Beskar chain mail to Grogu and deciding to not do it. Like he, he leaves the gift for him, but he decides to not interrupt. You know, he heeds Ahsoka Tano's warning and saying like, look, he already misses you a lot. If you show up now, you're just going to derail everything that he's working towards. So like, are you here because you want to help him or are you here because you miss him and you selfishly want to see him yourself? And I thought it was an, you know, an interesting character decision that he didn't just muscle through. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then at the end of the episode, which is a wicked cliffhanger, yeah. uh, Luke presents and the chain mail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, not a lightsaber, Yoda's lightsaber to Grogu and says, Hey, you can have one of these choose wisely. (laughs) And Grogu for all intents and purposes is is a toddler. Yeah. You know, can't even talk yet. uh, And this is like, so it's like, do fans get to see Grogu? And if they do, he's not a Jedi. Or do fans not get to see Grogu? for a while and then when they do see him again he's going to be a jedi right like it it's an impossible choice <laughs> right like do i want season three of the mandalorian with no grogu no of course i don't <laughs> like it's 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 a unique thing that they've stumbled upon and i was really concerned at the end of season two like how are they going to move the mandalorian forward without grogu like how does that work um I would, I would like to see them take, well, which way do you want them to go? Like if, which, what decision do you want Grogu to make? Ugh, that's a tough one. I actually wish they didn't have it because I, I think season three without Grogu would have been fine because episode five of the book of Boba Fett showed that you could have an episode without Grogu in it and that show would still work. And then the Mandalorian in episode six as well, when he's trying to help, um, Boba Fett and like all of his stuff is still interesting. I, I feel like, or at least half of season three, like they could have had him doing everything he's been doing in this show without Grogu. Um, or, or, or if they had Grogu, just have him stop by, give the, leave the chain mail. And then that'd be it. Like not actually, and, and, and have all of our hearts break for Amanda because he wasn't able to give him the chain mail. And then, you know, be there it you know in his loss as he continues to go on and then we have to continue on without grogu for a bit but knowing that grogu's in good hands kind of thing and i think it'd be interesting if grogu somehow managed to come back in season four or him showing up in an, in an elaborate way at the end of season three would have been pretty cool too mm-hmm. but it's just it just feels like this is a weird a weird massive cliffhanger to have in the book of boba fett oh yeah no and just and now we've got you know what's going to happen with the 
Spice Wars and the um, the situation on Tatooine where mm. Din Djarin is now returned to, he's in Jabba's palace actually with, with Boba Fett now. Uh, and he's gone and asked, uh, I can't remember the character's name. It's Timothy Oliphant is the actor that plays the, uh, Cobb Vanth is the name of the character, the, the lone sheriff out in the, oh, the yeah. sticks on, on Tatooine. And he goes to ask him a favor. Uh, the fact that it's Cobb Vanth again, a character from the Mandalorian mm-hmm. is the only reason I care about what's going to happen with these spice wars. I did not care about Boba Fett or how anything is going to happen until it involved that town that the, that Din Djarin helped out. Right. Because it, again, they took the time to like have some characters, have some emotional weight to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they didn't kill Cobb Vanth. I don't think that. No, they were. Uh, I mean, get his, a, get his doctor, deputy get a is dead, kind of thing. So it was. Yeah, he got shot in the shoulder. It was pretty clear to me. Um, but um, which is surprising because again, um, Clone Wars people are just losing their mind. I would imagine. So the bounty hunter that shot him, Cad Bane, is a huge antagonist in the Clone Wars. Hmm. Like he's a, and he's not like a cartoony villain like he's not a mustache twirling saturday morning cartoon like he's he's dangerous yeah uh he was in rebels he was in the bad batch and like he's he's lethal uh he's got a sidekick that is the jokes but he's he's a a force to reckon with and to see a version of him in in real life with like a combination of like CG and animatronic makeup. Yeah. And I think a real, like a real face. That was really well done. I mean, I don't know what the animated character looks like, but the, like the, the teeth, the face movement, those red eyes, like it was all like, it looked like a creature that was there. That was so good compared to some of the other stuff in, in the show. Oh, the, the anime character, the animated character, it's a CG kind of like limited, um, design kind of like minimalist design uh, from the Clone Wars. So he's got a very distinct look. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see the cartoon character, you realize the only way that they could have made it in exactly those, those proportions would be a puppet. Like the head would have, he'd have to be completely CG or he'd have to be like a puppet, like the aliens at the um, cantina. Right. Like they're just, their heads are just so weird that you can't even fit a human skull inside of it. Um, but they did a really good job. His mouth is a little thicker in this because it has to be a person's mouth. Um, but his eyes, like the fact that he's got these big, wide, like alien red eyes and stuff like that's all accurate. Um, voice is accurate, all that kind of stuff. Nice. Uh, the teeth were really different because the teeth, again, they had to put the pointy teeth over a person's teeth or at least that kind of like structure. Mm-hmm. Um, where in the cartoon, he's got like little, like little needle teeth. And I don't think I'm, it's a good call. I don't think it would really work in, in this particular thing. Um, cause then it would have been very fake looking, you know, where this at least felt, um, he gave me, um, mouth of Sauron vibes, you know, like the, the character that comes out at the, the gates and, and speaks where it's all mouth, no eyes. Like it's just, and no nose, the no nose thing is always creepy yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, I, so big, big, like, um, uh, between Ahsoka Tano, um, and even Ahsoka Tano referencing the fact that she knew Anakin, you know, like talking about like Luke saying, you're just so much like your father. Yeah. Uh, and then R2 and, and Cad Bane, like there's a lot of Clone Wars 
uh, references being dropped. And um, I really like Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Van. So I'm, I'm hoping they do, they do more of that. I just, but it's the only that that interaction is the only reason I care about what's happening on Tatooine. Yeah. Now. It's got nothing to do with Boba Fett, which is too bad. Yeah. Um, I think Boba Fett was one of those characters that should have been left well alone. You know, the, I mean, the the cameo in season two was okay for Mandalorian, like that's fine. But Boba Fett to me isn't a character that needed his own show, mm-hmm. and I don't think there was enough there to carry his own show. I thought. That's why they did the Mandalorian because they knew that Boba Fett was super popular as this mysterious character. And they, I thought they didn't want to disturb the gold, you know, of Bo, of the mystery of Boba Fett. So let's just mimic it or give it the same sort of situation, make it be Mandalorian. So you have that lone gunman vibe, the mask, you know, all that kind of stuff, but make it new, mm-hmm. make it not Boba Fett. And I think that's why the Mandalorian was so successful. Right. And unfortunately, I think it's why Boba Fett is is floundering, is that despite that it's got some talented people on it, I just don't think it was a story that needed to be told. Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you get value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, as well as access to other benefits like bonus episodes and audio. Patron count is at 24. That's up one from the last time we recorded. Our goal each month is to have at least one more patron than the month before. If you'd like to become patron number 25, then check out patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I have a couple of things to share. Both of them are Star Wars. Both of them are Lego. I will keep it short and sweet. Lego minifig scenes from the book of Boba Fett, which is an Instagram set of images. Uh, Photographer uh, Robert Whitehead and uh, Jan is the only um, name given for the other um, photo credit. Uh, Both of them are on Brick Central, recognized uh, as a Lego online community. They're just really cool recreations of dramatic scenes from the Book of Boba Fett, like uh, him coming out of the sand at the Sarlacc pit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a Boba Fett Lego minifig and and like this in sand and like really tight photography and just really, really well done stuff. I've seen stuff like this done before with Lego and I just thought it was fun. So we'll have the link to that uh, in the show notes. Fun account to follow on Instagram as well. There's lots of cool Lego images. Um, But then just this week, two new Lego Star Wars helmets have been revealed and uh, they are cooler looking than I thought they were going to be. Uh, The Luke Skywalker's X-Wing helmet and the Mandalorian helmet, hmm. um, 675 and 584 pieces respectively. Um, they are joining other helmets in the series, which include Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Stormtrooper, Scout Trooper, and the TIE Fighter pilot. So I, not a surprise that they went down the road of having the um, Luke Skywalker X-Wing helmet alongside of the TIE Fighter pilot helmet. I'm surprised that Boba Fett was the was the helmet that they went with first for the Mando look. I would have thought with the popular, you know, um, Mandalorian show that they would have done Din Djarin's helmet first. Um, but um, they both look pretty cool. I think I prefer Din Djarin. The only problem with, hmm. again, with, with Din Djarin's helmet is that it, it doesn't have anything so unique about it. Like it looks like a Mandalorian helmet, but it, because he's just like pure Beskar and he's so new. 
He doesn't have any like augmentations or anything to make it like distinct. And when you remove his kind of like half cape and his, um, his pauldron with the Matterhorn, I can't remember the name of the animal that he killed. Um, but he's got the, the big rhinoceros like alien thing as a crest and like that without that, because it's just a helmet and Lego set. He, it doesn't look all that unique. It's still cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd still want to build it. Um, but I really like the Luke Skywalker helmet and that's probably nostalgic coming in there. Like it's got <laughs> the gore, the orange goggles that kind of hang down. Yeah, now. Um, well done. Really well done. Yeah. They're both really cool. Um, the Vader helmet is also fun. I'm not a big fan of all the studs on top. I thought it would have been maybe cooler if they had a little bit more of a mix of studs and smooth plates on the top of all the helmets, Mm. but the vibe they seem to be going for is very Lego stud heavy on top with more of the smooth bits closer to the, the jaw lines and the, and the face mask. Um, but the, the Darth Vader helmet is 834 pieces retails for 70 Canadian and the scout trooper helmet is 471 and retails for 50 Canadian. So the Skywalker X-Wing and the Mandalorian helmet are not out yet. They're coming and they would probably end up in that range somewhere between 50 and $70 Canadian. And um, they look really cool. They're not massive. They're not like life size or anything like that. But um, I think they're about the size of like a Fumco pop sort of thing. Like kind of sit on your desk. Looks cool. Maybe on your bookshelf. Maybe in your living room if you're me. <laughs> um, but that's dinner centerpiece. That's what I got this week. Yeah, I mean they're they're fun, man. I um I I like the I like I don't often get like roped in by like I call it shelf porn. You know, like the stuff that you see at at um, comic book shops where oh, it's like yeah, a yeah. statue of Thanos and it's like twelve inches tall and like it's, it looks really cool, but like not something I'm necessarily going to be displaying in my home. But there's something about Lego. And something about some of the brickheads, and and some of the um, these helmets, and I do like the ships. I've got some of the ships in my in my living room. Like there's just something about them that just seems to be just just cool enough, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I think for me too is that like you look at something that's a Lego set, and look at something like one of these miniature statues in a, in a comic book shop, and they're both roughly the same price, or the the statue is more expensive. And while I appreciate the artistry, like I'd much rather build it yeah. than, than just stick four pieces together, you know? Yeah. And enjoy it twice almost. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. And we, as a designer, I think that's probably one of the things that I like so much about Lego is like, you're going, Oh, that's how they put that together. <laughs> well, cool. And like, I feel like that's always a, a bonus. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. And of course, you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com and let us know what you think of the book of Boba Fett. You can find the show by name on Twitter and of course, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, even YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about it and let them know where they can go to listen to it. And while you're out there, leave us a rating or review in whatever store you like. Doesn't matter whether it's Spotify, iTunes, all positive reviews help us reach more listeners. So if you like the show, let other people know about it. 
My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at the spawnchunks.com. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media. Today, I'll point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where just this afternoon, I did a brand new stream of the Olive Fabric 5 playthrough that I'm doing in Minecraft. It's modded and we had a lot of fun. Stephen, where can people find you online? I'm online these days, still mostly at Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash StephenESE. And again, Stephen with a PH. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. 